so next little subsection here, boundaries. So this is one word I feel like is not really paired with progressive training and teaching using reward-based systems. And and to think about it just it makes me laugh because I have so much, I have a lot of boundaries in my house, <laughs> especially with my puppy. And so boundaries. There's so many things that aren't allowed. Oh my God, yeah. I just <laughs> so many tell things. them those things aren't allowed by giving corrections. I tell them in all the other ways right. how these things aren't allowed. So many different options yeah. that are kind of. So many boundaries. Yeah. An example of boundaries is you have a puppy and you are you need to go use the bathroom. So instead of leaving your puppy out, you maybe put them in the crate for a couple minutes like as you use the bathroom and then you come out and let them out. Like that's a boundary. Like right. making sure you're setting them up for success so that they're not while you're pooping or right. <laughs> doing something. Or scrolling on your phone, yeah. showering that they're left to their own devices. And then end up chewing something. Right. And now you're mad that they're chewing. So you try to scold them for chewing. Right. And then they run away from you and they find something else to do and everything starts going wrong. Right. Just because you didn't manage and prevent because you weren't thinking ahead. Right. Hmm. My puppy probably can't manage to be unsupervised for the next five to 30 minutes. So I should help them be successful. Right. Making sure that your world that you've created for your puppy is a yes space. They should not be finding no spaces. It shouldn't be no this, no that, no that, stop, 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 off, 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 no, 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 all day long. It's a very terrible way to learn. So boundaries are essentially thinking ahead and putting in prevention so that they cannot learn what you don't want them to do. Right. They shouldn't even know that that's an option. Your puppy shouldn't know it's an option that if they sprint out the front door, they're free for the next five hours. Yeah. They shouldn't know that because you put in prevention so it couldn't happen. Right. You don't want them to learn those bad things. So boundaries are very important. And the biggest thing with boundaries is a yes space that they that you can put them in when you're getting overwhelmed, when you need time mm. to yourself, mm-hmm. when you need to just step away from them because you have things to do that are human related that they have a space that they can go and that might look like an x pen in the corner of a room that might have a crate inside that is for sleeping so that's like their space and it's it's wide enough and open enough where they don't feel trapped and confined to a crate but they have toys you can put a puzzle toy in there they have a kong in there you've positively conditioned that space you can also have a similar space in the bedroom or in a bathroom if you're still working on potty training so that You're just creating positive exposure to things all the time. Yep. With that, you're also teaching them. So you're either managing slash preventing or teaching at all times. You do not get a third option. You're either managing your puppy to prevent them from doing unwanted behaviors or you are teaching your puppy to teach them to do wanted behaviors. You are not stopping them in the middle of being inappropriate and scolding or punishing them. That is not discipline. Discipline is teaching. It is not punishing, hitting, scolding, yelling, scaring, any of those things. Because down the road, it becomes an issue. So we're not going to talk a ton about like all the things they could do because we're going to do a little bit of problem solving at the end. But your goal is to make sure that you are creating an environment that makes sense for your puppy to be successful in. So think about how many times, and I've actually had clients log how many times they've yelled, scolded, or had to interrupt dogs from doing behaviors they don't like. And once they get to like 25, they're like, okay, I stopped after a while because I realized you were exactly right. I didn't realize how often we were saying, no, stop, don't, no, stop, don't. That's no way to learn. No. It's very difficult for an animal to learn from you when you're constantly pushing them away with what they can't do. Another thing to keep in mind is that, again, just like we said at the beginning, having a puppy is hard. (laughs) It's really, really hard. And you are going to have days where, let's say you come home from work, it was a bad day, you're already trigger stacked, so there's a lot of things going on, um, and you come home to a crazy puppy, you might be doing more management. And that's okay. Like, you don't have to teach all the time. You can do that management. You can have the puppy, just make sure that you are giving them outlets that they can do that are appropriate instead of just waiting for something bad to happen and then you be having the puppy be a scapegoat for your frustration so that's not what we want we want to make sure that we're always setting them up for success and keeping ourselves calm and happy (laughs) your goal is to create successful habits in your puppy right yeah so our goal is to only allow wanted behaviors at any given time if we see something happening that we don't like or we think might become an issue down the road we want them to stop that behavior and we want to do that by not trying to address that behavior, but by actually preventing it. Because the more they practice it, the stronger it gets. We don't even want them to be practicing that so that we could then scold them for it. 
because the behavior is getting stronger if they're practicing it. So don't even worry about trying to address it to scold them for it. We just need to stop that behavior from happening altogether. Because the more we can create this routine of this is what we do, we just don't do that other thing. Then when they're like eight months, they don't even know like how to counter surf because it's just never been something that even was reinforcing. Maybe they sniffed up there once and then we redirected them and paid them on the floor and then we moved along on our way. And it just isn't a thing that they even need that we even need to address because we've never allowed it to happen in the first place. And we taught them that when you're in the kitchen, if you lay on this mat or if you sit at my feet, awesome things happen. Why would they ever need to jump on the counter? Right. So when you start with the proper foundations, which is why every dog trainer, no matter what their methods are, say, oh my gosh, get dog training like yesterday, because you can undo (laughs) so many things just by giving them a good foundation in the beginning of what to do of what these are the things that are going to be awesome these are the things i want you to do and here's how i want you to keep consistent boundaries and consequences for your dog we give consequences all the time that's what boundaries are when you push the boundaries we have a consequence that might be that you lose some freedom today yeah you're having a really hard time being successful in this room so i'm going to help you be more successful by moving you away and putting you in this space instead yep that is a consequence but we have to remember as well as everything else developmentally where are they at socializing where are they at and did i put this puppy in this environment inappropriately or does this environment work for my dog and their needs one last thing before we get into just some training foundation and problem solving stuff so you're bringing a new puppy into your home and let's say that you have a resident dog that already lives there so there are a couple things that I typically like to recommend for brand new puppies coming into the house with an existing dog. And the number one thing is giving the puppy decompression time. Because if you think about bringing in an eight-week-old puppy into a home without their litter mates, without their mom, in a brand new space with all these smells, like they're going to have to get used to that first. So doing a a week or two-week decompression time of your puppy just getting used to that yes space that we mentioned before and then giving them lots of outlets and things to do, not even going on a ton of outside walks or anything like that at no. all. Just You're not sticking showing to your off environment. The puppy. No, You're not no, going no. to pet smart, putting them in the car <laughs> yeah. and being like, everybody look at my puppy, please pet it because it's great for socialization. Nope. Stop nope. it. Yeah. Stop that right now. Um, <laughs> fuck it. Stop it. <laughs> and uh, so one to two weeks of decompression um, and then letting the puppy get used to you and your environment and your smells. And then uh, that would be a good time to start introducing the resident dog. And the biggest thing that I like to do with that is parallel walking. So not even letting them interact. So let it, letting them see each other, sniff each other, get good stuff from afar. Because remember, what do you want? When you're introducing right. a puppy to a dog, you don't want them to be out of control, over aroused, can't stop playing, can't stop fighting, can't stop all these things. You want them to just be and be best friends and love each other and hang out together, right? And if you look, think about your best friend, are you like always like, freaking out on each other no you're like hanging out right like so that's what we want to build from the beginning is that when you see that other dog we just chill and we hang out and we love each other and everything's great and comfortable and safe right and so parallel walks are going to give you that because they can indirectly check each other out without being forced into a situation where they might need to tell each other off or oh, I don't like you jumping at my face, so I'm going to tell you that I don't like that by snapping at you, and now mom and dad are terrified, and now they're yanking me away and scolding me and smacking me in my butt because I snapped at the puppy. So now I'm in trouble somehow because you brought this terrible little terrier thing (laughs) into my world. So we just want to make it more successful, and the best way to do that is through these parallel walks, get them outside, get them sniffing, get them checking in with one another. Hey, great work. You looked at that dog, and then I paid you with some food, and we went and sniffed. And I engaged with you a little bit. It's really low key. It's really easy. It's really fun. Your dogs will be exhausted at the end. And then they come home and they sleep. And puppies should be sleeping all the time. Nap times. Give your puppy nap times. I promise you they'll (laughs) sleep at night. Even if you give them nap times, do not keep your puppy awake. Oh my God. So that they will sleep at night. They will not. You will have an overtired, over aroused, overstimulated puppy very fast. Yes. Let them sleep when they want to sleep. Yes. And let's say that you have a resident dog like my situation, where it's a little bit iffy. So my resident dog, I knew this going into it, and I knew that it was going to be a challenge, but I like challenges. And he's not 100% comfortable with play with dogs in general, just because he has some trauma in the past. So with 
our setup, we have two levels of safety at all times. So by that, I mean we have two levels of prevention. So whether that's a gate and a crate or a gate and a leash or a tether and a gate, whatever. whatever. Management always fails. Yep. It can be conquered. So if somebody jumps something, if a leash breaks, if somebody forgets one of them, you always have a backup. Right. And we started off with parallel walks. We took it really slow. They were at a large distance. And then we're they are now at the point where they're able to be around each other to sniff, to co- like walk with each other and that's fine and then now we're working on unpredictable movement which pete is a crazy hound lab mix so he's nuts and he barks and he's loud um so jack is very desensitized to all that stuff from afar but whenever it's close and it involves him it gets a little bit iffy so Mm -hmm. always think about too like it's not sometimes it's not a quick thing like especially if you are going into this you have a puppy you're bringing them in to a house where you know that your older dog is not going to take to them very I mean, kindly. I have one it's dog gonna that would, It's going to take time. I have one dog that would be great with a puppy. She would, she'd be overexcited in the beginning, but then she'd play and she'd be a great playmate and she'd be fine. My other one is not down with puppies. Right. Get away from my face. Why are you running so fast? Why are you doing all those things? Stop being a puppy. Right. Not comfortable puppies. There's just some dogs that like puppies and there's some dogs who don't like puppies. Right. So don't expect that your older dog is going to be a good role model because guess what will happen when your older dog starts telling off your puppy? You're going to end up with a puppy who thinks that's normal interaction with dogs. Yep. (laughs) They're their number one teacher because it's the only other dog they're around. And if their teacher is being a terrible teacher because they do not have great dog body language with them, they are not going to do well with other dogs. So you need to make sure that the dogs that your puppy is around are giving them the right feedback for what you want them to. So you need, you should not be getting, okay, I want you to imagine you put three-year-olds all in a room with other three-year-olds and say, okay, learn to be polite. <laughs> learn from your friends how to be polite. Come on, learn from them. <laughs> They're not going to learn how to be a, a good upstanding individual by listening to their three-year-olds. Right. They need good adults to teach them how to be good adults. Right. So you need your puppy to be around good role model dogs to learn how to be a good adult. Not a bunch of over-aroused puppies. No. Puppies don't teach other puppies how to be good adults. Yeah. They just play. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> just, pretty much what they're doing is they're yeah. just playing, which is great. And it's great for them. But it's also teaching them how to be over-aroused. And if you have puppies that aren't listening to one another, and it gets really crazy really quickly. So right. there should be a ton of management whenever you are introducing a dog to another dog in your home. Yes. So this puppy is going to be overwhelming. It's going to be bitey. It's going to be a puppy. Yep. And you need to make sure that you are keeping distance, that you are separating, that you are giving resident dog what they need. And my number one rule, resident dog needs to be fully trained before you bring in a second dog. (laughs) If resident dog is terrible in 19 different ways, maybe you're not ready for a puppy because now you have two behavioral problems. Right. Yeah. And guess what? Puppies don't learn the good stuff from one another. They learn the bad stuff. They learn how to be leash reactive. They learn how to guard their stuff. Yep. They learn to (laughs) be fueled by the stress situation that the other dog is giving them yep they learn how to bark at windows so if you're like oh well i'll just teach the puppy not to do it nope not gonna work yeah (laughs) yeah especially if your puppy's always around the older dog yeah that's not gonna work yep and i've worked with and i'm actually working with somebody right now who their dogs are completely separate they have a one-year-old dog and then the other one is older completely separate because they thought that it was going to be a playmate for the dog and the dog was so the puppy was so overwhelming for the older dog that the older dog became afraid and started hiding and they didn't know how to stop it and then it became like this bullying thing where every time the puppy saw the dog it was like gung-ho let me just attack you you know not maliciously but certainly not in a kind way and then the dog would just run away and then go hide and so now the dog is terrified of even being literally on their downstairs floor like won't even come down the stairs so we can undo those things once you see them starting but you can also just not have them happen and just say hey i would like to have 15 years of great best friend behavior so i'm going to take this really slow and make sure that i'm doing everything i need to do because i don't care if this takes me six months don't care because i would rather be relaxed for 15 years than do everything wrong in the beginning because i rushed it Yep. And then have to do so much work with my adult dogs. Yep. Look, we're on we're on month 11. Yep. <laughs> okay? Of having Pete and we're still not together yet. They are doing walks, they are hanging out on leash 
outside. And, and that part is of that all. is because <laughs> you're also looking at Pete's development. And right. so as a puppy, it's not fair to expect him to not act like a puppy because that's what For Jack sure. needs. Yeah. So you're also saying, yeah, as Pete gets older, we He'll will be, be able mature. to do those things because yeah. he's going to be more mature. Yep. But right now he's a puppy. So we have to allow him time to be a puppy yep. without triggering Jack. So... <laughs> If you are aware of those things, it makes your it makes it feel a lot easier on you if you walk into it thinking that your puppy will just eventually just act like your resident dog and calm down. It's not going to because yeah. your expectations aren't where they need to be. Exactly. Um, there's a lot more about how to create friendships between dogs. And I, I need to write about it because everybody keeps asking me to do it. Um, and I have it like half written. So sorry, maybe this, maybe me saying it out loud right now will keep me accountable. <laughs> it's on the podcast. I'm yes. not editing in that out. <laughs> so, um, but there's so many things you can do to create um, like a team rather than competition yep. between the dogs. So creating plentiful resources, making sure that they understand that when one gets one, the other one gets one, making sure they do things together. There's no one has to be fed first over the other one. There's no this dog has to go out the door first. All of those things are nonsense. They're working as a team together and they will defer to each other when they feel comfortable deferring to one another. And so our goal is to make sure that they're communicating well together so that they can say, hey, I need space. And the other one says, hey, no problem. You let me know when you're ready for me to come back. (laughs) Think about that kind of communication happening rather than don't care, going to jump on your head anyway. Right. (laughs) And then resident (laughs) resident dog is eventually forced to be very obnoxious with their corrections. And then we essentially yell at them for being obnoxious with their corrections. Right. And it's this vicious cycle. So if you have a puppy... If you have a resident dog and things are not going well, get help now. Don't wait. Don't think it's going to get better as the puppy gets older. It could get very, very much worse Yeah. as their experience and learning histories continue to just deteriorate. So ask us. We'll find somebody in your area. Go look up the um, trainer lookup that we have in our resources list. All right, let's get into some training foundations. So when we get a puppy client, and I don't, I don't work with puppies. Um, <laughs> I only work with aggression and reactivity, but I do have my puppy, my personal puppy, uh, and we did a lot of training foundations. So a couple of those things, again, talking about boundaries, so creating a dog that can hang out in a crate or a pen. Mm -hmm. right so getting a dog comfortable doing that and that's going to undo so a lot of these foundations you're actually putting them in place yes they're important skills to have but you're actually putting them in place because they're undoing so many other things that you will need down the line so you're undoing separation anxiety isolation distress chewing inappropriately house training issues um, all the things punishment <laughs> if you need to put your dog away they won't feel like it's punishment if you just ask them to go to their crate and you've already positively conditioned it right. if you just need a break from your dog it's not a big deal that you need to separate them but what if you never taught them how to be separate from you and right now in covid land all the dogs and all the people are living together 24 7 and we're seeing yeah. a lot of issues where it's like oh i ran to the store for 15 minutes and my dog chewed a hole in the wall right well it's because your dog has never been alone because you got a puppy somehow there was a puppy surge happening in the middle of COVID, I don't know what everybody Perfect was thinking. Time. Yeah. And everybody, I'm like, oh, so how are they alone? And they're like, um, we've never left them alone. I'm like, oh, good gracious. So they, the dog has gone six months and never been separated ever. Right. So other things that Crate is going to undo is I can comfortably leave my dogs when we travel, knowing that they're not going to destroy an Airbnb. Yep. Knowing, and you know how many times we've gotten into an Airbnb that is no pets because I say, hey, my dogs are crate trained and they will be 100% crated when we are not there to supervise them. And they say, okay, no problem. Because I let them know ahead of time that my dogs are trained and they will be in their crates and there's no way for them to destroy things when I'm not there. Taking them to the vet. Think about how stressful it is if your dog is at the vet and has never been crated before. Foundation of just getting them comfortable of how to lay down, be comfortable while you're just doing things around the house. Yep. In and out of sight in there for long periods of time, in there for nap time, just hang out. It's a safe space. The nothing game, our favorite, one of yes. our favorites. You know, these <laughs> foundations are not going to be sit down, stay, because guess no. what? Your puppy no. can always learn obedience. You know what they can't learn? How to feel good doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a foundation. Yeah. So these foundations are going to be more creating feelings about certain behaviors we want them to do long term. It's not going to be dumb obedience things. 
they can always learn that. I, I can always teach a dog sit. I don't need to focus on it when my dog is an eight-week-old puppy. Sure, I'll reward it. Sure, I'll ask for it. That's not the problem. I need to work on these foundations, meaning the things that I stack those sit, down, stay on top of. So nothing game. We've talked about that a lot. Yes. Um, teaching your dog to just enjoy doing nothing because you've built value for it. Right. And one other thing that kind of goes into this is asking for stuff that they want, but asking politely. What does that undo? Stealing, taking, pushy behavior, behavior that people will deem as dominant. And then they will say, oh, well, I need to punish them because they think they're the boss because they're stealing my sandwich off the plate right in front of me. How dare they? (laughs) I feel like they're trying to control me. Everything falls apart, right? Really quickly, just because they don't know how to ask for your sandwich. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Awesome. Uh, Bed or go to your place behavior. Mm -hmm. So that's a good one just to, again, give the dog a a safe spot to go to. It's never a spot where you keep them there for 5 billion hours um, and correct them every time they get up. It's not like that. Um, It's It's not a a lava game. Right. Where you're like, (laughs) if you look like you're going to get off, I'm going to quickly run towards you so that you're forced back on. Right. I'm not going to not let you off. You can get off all all day long. I don't care. Get off. Go ahead. You want to get off? Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, you don't want to? Great. Here's a treat. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, and that's going to be good for a lot of different things down the road, looking at future behavior. So being able to, I, I love using a map behavior to transfer to new spaces, like an Airbnb, mm-hmm. like taking something familiar and then applying it to this brand new space. Yeah, with brand it's new visual. Smells. It's easy for the dog yeah. to say, oh, I need to do this behavior because it goes with the mat. So no matter where the mat is, I know this behavior goes with it. Right. Oh, easy. Done. Yeah. Yeah. And you can use it for a lot of other stuff. I just had a client with a puppy and we did mat work. Both of them own their own businesses and they have a beach house. So they have these places where the dog is going to need to be and they want to be able to bring the dog. And one of the owners owns a a pool. Like he does like, there's like a swimming, like this whole thing. Like people go there and do like swimming clubs and whatnot. And he wants to be able to bring his dog because he has an office. It's a great space to be able to bring him. And he's like, I don't know how to introduce him. And I was like, bring the mat that we've already positively conditioned lay it in a corner, sit with him, give him a Kong. He eats the Kong Boom. and then you pick it up and you walk away. Yeah. You're getting like all the things all at once. Yeah. I was like, and he already knows the mat. You're still positively conditioning it. He's being desensitized to the environment. He cannot do a bad behavior because you've already busied him with a better one. And he's getting exposed to splashing water and kids and all sorts of things that are happening. You're preventing all the things that could happen. Yep. Like over arousal or all of those other nonsense things we talked about. Yep. So bed mat is amazing and it's great for just getting your dog out from under feet. Like I just need you to move away from me right now. I'm moving a big box. I can't see you and you're tripping me. Go lay on your bed for a second. Wait, finish what I'm doing. Okay. Now you're free again. Right. It just, it can prevent so many things and just having, you'd rather have the skill and not need it than need it and not have it. Yep. So build it, build a go to mat, go to place, go to bed. That basically means stay there until I tell you what else to do. Love it. Fourth thing. So Crate, nothing game, slash polite behavior, bed or mat or place. And then the fourth thing is building value with you, engagement with you, making you a wonderful thing to pay attention to, not a referee that tells them all the bad things they're doing all the time. You want to build that you are amazing in every environment. And the more exciting the environment, the better you become. So that means when things are pretty boring, you can be pretty boring too no big deal. But when you're at like, you know, the dog expo and there's a million dogs around and everything smells like pee and there's like treats on tables and stuff, you want to have lots of engagement. That's what it's going to create a well-behaved dog is a dog that's engaged with you. Yeah. If you have to ask your dog for attention, you don't have their attention. Right. You shouldn't have to ask for it. Engagement teaches that. And there's many games you can play. Most of it is going to be captured attention, meaning every time your dog chooses to choose you, you're paying it. You're not asking for it. You're saying every time you do this, I'm going to pay you for it because I would much prefer you look at me than that dog or that person or that motorcycle. Or thanks for checking in with me after you just ran 50 feet after that bird, you came back to me. Hey, great choice. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thanking your dog for choosing to pay attention to you. Right. And I feel like engagement is one of those things where I started with that just like on a leash on our walks around our neighborhood. And my dog was on like a 15 foot Pete was on a 15 foot leash. Every time he checked in every single time, literally every single time he got something amazing. 
So even if it's a little tiny piece of cheese or whatever I had. Um, and then now, I don't really have a problem with pulling. Right. Because he's like, I'm just going to stick around you. Right. I think being, you know, having a loose leash and checking in with you more is going to pay off more for me. Well, and that's the the, the habit you created because yeah. you didn't create anything else. He wasn't pulling the whole time and you were saying, watch me, watch me, watch me, right. watch me a hundred million times. Yeah. Saying, don't watch that exciting thing over there. You have to watch me instead. And then I might bribe you with this piece of steak. Yep. <laughs> you were freely offering it when he chose to do it. And that's a big difference when it comes to an animal's level of choice and what they're choosing to do yeah when you build it the right way from the beginning they will choose to do it for you so you're creating a good worker it's easy to teach obedience after that you don't even have to worry about it they're basically already obedient dogs yeah like that same (laughs) client that i was just talking about earlier she's like like people think i have the most well-behaved dog just because he pays attention to me just because he's watching me right and she's like i don't care that he thought i was the chicken lady for two months (laughs) don't care (laughs) She's like, yes. because I literally carried around, like she would, she used, um, chicken breast in a can and mm-hmm. put it in a baggie. That's oh my gross. Gosh. Yeah, That's it's super gross. Super gross. Right. But do you know what? That is the most well-behaved dog I've ever seen in any of my clients. Right. Because they did the work and they trusted me when I said, you will not use food like this forever. You're yeah. just creating associations right now and you're building value for yourself. And now the dog is like seven months old and basically is almost, almost all the time, like off leash in multiple situations and has very little issue. Like, it's just like, do, 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 do. Okay. And I was like, it's going to be a puppy someday and run away. And she's like, don't worry. I got the recall you built. And I'm like, (laughs) all right. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Engagement is going to build connection and connection Mm -hmm. is kind of the foundation for anything that we're going to teach is is making a connection with you. And that's also one of the things that I'm looking at when you're choosing a trainer. How does your dog engage with that trainer? Mm. What are they? Are they choosing to look at them or are they just behaving on leash? Right. You know, what type of engagement? Like look at their eyes. Are they looking at you like, oh my God, you're the best thing since sliced bread? Or are they like... Uh, I don't really want to make eye contact with you because I'm kind of nervous of you. Or are they completely avoiding eye contact with yeah. their trainer? Those things matter. So level of engagement will tell you exactly how they feel at any given moment. And if they feel good and they love you and they feel safe with you, you're going to see much different behaviors from your dog. So yeah. build it early. And that means number five, training foundation, that moving toward you should always be rewarded in some fashion, whether that's happy face, Mm. smiling, happy eyes. Dogs respond to that very nicely. That's why puppies, when you say, come here, puppy, they're like, oh my God, all the puppies will run to you when you say that because your face (laughs) is excited, you're bent down, everything is saying, please come to me, puppy. So (laughs) guys, you can do it too. Yes. Moving toward you should always, especially when you're outside, anytime you're on leash, Anytime that dog chooses to move toward you, you should be paying them with something. Food, treats, sniffs, love, happy voice, movement, tug, anything. Right. It just needs to be something. I don't care if they're moving toward you with a dead bird in their mouth. (laughs) You will act happy. Thanks, buddy. Wow, look, there's dinner. Thank you so much. Can I have that? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, here's some chicken. Thank you. And I'm just going to kick that thing to the side (laughs) and we're going to move that way. Right. Okay. So... You want to make sure that moving toward you, that looking at your face and moving toward you, because think about what you're preventing by teaching that simple foundation skill. Right. That moving toward you is something to be awesome. They yeah. should always be looking at you and moving toward you. You're undoing like a gajillion other behaviors Yep. that are them choosing other things, yes. which is the foundation for all bad behaviors, essentially. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so yeah. you're undoing so many things just by teaching this one foundation skill just being aware of it and making sure that you're focused on it day after day after day yep and also thinking about if you are doing more your puppy moves towards you and you are not giving them those things so you have an angry face and you're using a stern voice or you grab their collar or you drag them inside or you shorten their leash yeah they came all the way back to you and then you gave them six inches of leash right so now they went well not gonna do that anymore right or even if you just do nothing like let's say you're really mad and you're trying to keep everything in and you just have a heavy sigh and you know you just keep going that that kind of stuff is gonna create a dog that moves away from you and avoid you (laughs) so and again that's gonna create all the behaviors that you don't want so moving towards you is an awesome one i love that the last one that we have is creating a 
positive emotional response to yourself. And that means you around resources. Yeah. Anything a dog has is a resource. So whether they have a toy or food or a bowl, or even if they're just laying on something, anything that they have possession of is technically a resource in their mind. They're like a toddler. If I am holding it, it's mine. If I'm looking at it, it's mine. If I want it, it's mine. Everything is mine. <laughs> everything is mine. Everything is mine. <laughs> so when you are when you have this puppy, you need to make sure that every time you approach, that you are not creating feelings of, are you going to take it? Should I run from you? Are you going to try to steal it from me? Are you going to scold me? Are you going to grab me by my collar and drag me away from it? All of those things will create a negative emotional response to our approach. Right. So we want to make sure that when we move toward our puppy... That we are creating happy feelings. They say, yay, you're coming over. That must mean I'm getting something good. Something good is going to happen. I'm going to make whatever's in my mouth exit because <laughs> I'm anticipating something good to happen. Yep. So sure, I'll trade you this you know, item I shouldn't have, this really nice blouse that <laughs> my puppy just picked up out of the trash or out of the uh, laundry basket. Yeah. I'm going to trade for this toy and I'm going to engage you with this toy. Because since our foundation is engagement and moving toward and creating good responses, they have no problem with that. Right. The alternative is my puppy takes one look at me walking in his direction and takes off and goes and hides and is now growling and resource guarding the blouse. They don't even want the freaking blouse. Right. It's just because we've created this because they know we're going to take it from them. Right. So undo that. Play trade games and create this positive emotional response to yourself where you can approach them at any time no matter what they have. Even just not moving away should be rewarded, honestly. Right. I can just approach a puppy and bend down and pet them. That's wonderful. But what if they don't like petting? So I always approach a puppy and offer something. Yeah. Toy, anything. And then I walk away. I don't care if I take the item. I'm not a thief. I don't want to have your item. Right. (laughs) I just want to be able to approach you. And in the event I need it. It's a lot easier. Exactly. (laughs) But they're not already running from me. Right. So... Training foundations, things that you want to work on pretty much every day from the time you get your dog up um, and making sure that you're looking at their body language throughout all of this. And learning body language. Yes. So (laughs) that you know where they're at on that socialization scale so that you can help them. Yeah. Is teaching them how to be isolated in a crate or pen, playing the nothing game so that they know polite behavior is how they can request stuff in their world. Teaching them a go-to-place or go-to-bed mat behavior so that they have an alternate behavior in other situations, especially in the kitchen or other areas where you might have problems like dining room tables. Number four, engagement with you slash any handler that is going to be handling them so that they know that you are the best thing. You're building value for yourself all the time. Moving toward you is always positive. And then trading items with you and conditioning yourself that you can always approach doesn't mean you're taking. It just means that when you approach, good things happen. Those things are going to create a great foundation for your puppy that you can then stack obedience on. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, first of all, thanks for sticking around. (laughs) I know this one's long. It's puppies. There's so much. Oh, my God. There's so much. Um, So, if you're listening, I really appreciate you sticking around for this. Uh, Hopefully, you're getting some good stuff. We are going to now dive into some problem solving and and taking behaviors that you would normally see that are, again, developmentally normal for a puppy to have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're going to go through APT with each of these. We want to address these things not from a discipline punishment standpoint, which is how a lot of these things are usually handled. Yep. Um, And when we say discipline punishment, we're also talking about scaring puppies away from things. And I think sometimes the, the line gets blurred of what is actually punishment and discipline for puppies. And so you have to understand that anything that stops a puppy's behavior and either makes them move away or freeze or stop doing it in the moment, in that moment, is technically going to be some form of a punishment or discipline. So what we're looking for instead is to address the reason that they're doing it and teach them a better behavior. So redirection can still be done positively. Redirection can also be done aversively. Yeah. So we want to make sure that when we're redirecting a puppy that it makes sense for them to redirect, not redirect because I pressed this weird high-pitched button that they didn't like. Yeah. So that's why they redirected onto this other item. Yeah, or just this because... Or canister or pennies or whatever other scary thing. Right. Just because it's not physically touching the dog does not mean that it's not right. punishment. Like a lot of people will clap loudly to startle a dog or, or stomp on the ground or toss something that like distracts them. All those things are startle techniques, and a lot of people use them with puppies, and what it does is it actually spikes their adrenaline, and it teaches them 
that spikes of adrenaline are normal in these situations. Right. We don't want to teach that because that creates overarousal down yeah. the road. So, And another thing that I hate, because you just reminded me of it, the bitter apple spray. <laughs> I hate that because that's not a solution. No. It's not a solution. Did you know? Um, sorry, babe. I'm totally going to out you here. So he got <laughs> drunk like a couple months back with his dad and his dad had a new puppy and there was bitter apple spray and he decided to try it. And he didn't tell me this until the next day. <laughs> he said, so I tried it. I don't know. I was drunk and I just did it. And I said, okay. And he said, and you know what? I couldn't get it out of my mouth. Oh my God. For a very long time. He was like, no matter what I did, the taste didn't go away. And I said, oh my God, it never occurred to me that it would huh. stay in the mouth. So that means that it doesn't matter if it's on your chair legs because the dog is still no. tasting it 15 minutes later right. when he's chewing his own bone. So he's going to avoid anything. And think about the stress that creates. Oh my God, there's this thing in my mouth that I don't like and I can't get out and I don't know how to right. wash it out. And I was like, I never oh thought God, about that. I was crazy. like, think about how many things we just don't think about. And it's kind of like the citronella bark collars, the same thing. Yeah. It lingers. Oh, it so does. it doesn't actually do the thing that we're trying to make it do. It's not just the chair legs. Now it's everything they put in their mouth. So now it's actually that ball they no longer, we're like, why don't you want to play with this ball? Well, because 10 times he tried to play with the ball, but it tasted like bitter apple spray. Right. So interesting little tidbit of kind of, we don't know what we don't know. You yeah. Know? And so... Bitter apple spray definitely doesn't solve the problem. It might look like it does initially because maybe they do move away from your chair leg and then they go chew on the table leg. (laughs) So now you have to, your whole house now smells of bitter apple spray and your dog may smell it. Maybe you don't, but then your dog's just kind of like, well, fuck. Like, I don't know what, what do you want me? I I have to chew. Like, I'm a puppy. I need to use my mouth. So I'm going to start using it on you. And actually, actually our first. our first one. (laughs) Yeah. So mouthing, biting is probably the number one thing that we get. Um, And again, saying this for the 15th time, it is developmentally normal. So what we have to think about whenever we have a puppy that is in this developmental stage, they are teething. Like their teeth are coming out and then they have new teeth that are poking through their gums. (laughs) So they're going to need to chew on stuff. So having plenty of things that they can chew that that are legal. Don't stop them from chewing. You don't want to try to stop them. You just want to give them appropriate ways to chew to get it out of their system to help their teeth. Yes. They are just very inexperienced and everything looks like a good way to make my teeth feel better. Yes. So if they like chewing on vertical objects, give them something vertically to chew on. Think, assess, right? What are they doing and how can I look at this from that kind of more objective standpoint? I know I don't want them chewing on my chair and I'm really mad that now I have teeth marks on it. Right. Set that to the side and say, but why are they chewing? Okay, they're chewing because it feels good. They're only chewing at night or they're only chewing more out of the room or they chew on it because they like to tip their head to the side because it can get the one side of their mouth that they can't get when they're holding on to something. So maybe I'll sit there and hold a bone for them vertically and see if they can get the same type of chewing that they do on that thing. Yeah. Assess. Yes. Know that it's normal and know that you need to assess to make sure that you know how to teach down the line. If you don't do the assess properly, you're going to have a hard time with the teach. Right. So... Once you assess, which easy peasy, the dog needs to chew, it's right. puppy, it's normal, then you need to prevent, put up a gate, put the chair away. Do you know how many people just put things away in the puppy stage that they just are roll. not, they're not willing to even take the chance. They just put them away. Roll That's that rug. That's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how many people do that with babies too? Yeah. They put the good china away for a long time <laughs> because toddlers even. So years go by and these things don't come back out because they're not willing to take the risk. That's Okay. You, they will eventually learn, but they have to get out of this stage of life first. Right. And mouthing and biting you, mm, right? Yes. So, and this, oh my gosh. Like, again, this is super developmentally normal. They need to chew. So they're just choosing you to do that with. And so the next step would be preventing it. So removing yourself. So literally standing up, not saying anything, moving moving away or asking them to go into that room so they can chew on something, again, that's legal. Mm, training foundation. Woohoo! <laughs> Um, cause you're going to need that a lot. Um, <laughs> and then removing yourself completely until your dog has gotten that satiated. They've, they've bit something that is legal again, something that they can have. And then you don't have to worry about it. A lot of times mouthing on humans also comes from overstimulation from your movements or from handsy play. A lot of people play really handsy with oh their puppy gosh. and it creates Adam. a lot of the behavior. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, my husband. A lot of the issues that they then get mad about yeah. down the road because now the puppy is bigger and it hurts and they're getting too rough and they won't stop. And so we also have to make sure that, again, you're you're building the dog you want to have. Don't play like that. <laughs> you're not going to be okay with your 100-pound dog playing like that. Right. So, Or if you do want to play with it like that, then use a toy. Right. So your puppy has something to exactly. bite on. <laughs> so just yeah. know that sometimes, yes, it is about mouthing, sure, but puppies are also going to get very mouthy when they're overtired when they need a break, when they're overstimulated, when they just need to be moved away and they just need to go in a safe space and have limited options. There's just too much happening all at once in a house with movement. And a lot of times that happens around five o'clock. Yeah. Because that's when work is ending. That's when dusk is happening. That's when the sun is going down. That's when the day is getting long and dinner's almost here. And there's a lot of things going on right there. So Make sure that you're assessing why it's happening, looking at the patterns, looking at who it's happening to. If they only mouth one person in your family, okay, well, that's very good information then. Yes, it is. What is that one person Typically doing? Typically a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how do they play? Oh, yeah, like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So let's look into chewing inappropriately, which we kind of already talked about. So assess. They need to the, chew. Right. They need to chew. They're, they're choosing <laughs> things to chew because it feels good to their teeth, so they're getting reinforced for it. So we need to prevent them from getting access to things that they can chew inappropriately. Right. They need a yes space. And you need to be more supervising them. Yes. They shouldn't have access to those things because you should be right there with them. Right. So that means that you have them in the room with you, gated at all times, created with you, leashed with you. You need to manage that. That is your job. It is not your 16-year-old's job. No. It is the adult in yep. the house. <laughs> and that's going to suck. And that's inconvenient. And I understand that. But that's what it's like to have a puppy. Yep. You don't get to turn off. And remember, chewing is specific to puppies, and they do it a lot. But that will eventually go away. Yes. Um, you know, it's a phase. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially at least the amount that your dog is chewing. They still will probably like to chew when they're older. But they will they will learn not to chew things that they're not supposed to <laughs> if you manage and, and teach them what to chew on. So prevent the inappropriate things and reward them for chewing on things you like. And I don't yes. mean like... Oh Yay, gosh. good job. Thanks for chewing on that bone over there. I mean, literally reward them with treats while they're chewing appropriate items. Think about what you're telling their brain. When I chew on this thing, it feels good to my teeth. When I chew on this thing, it feels good to my teeth and I get chicken. Okay. <laughs> no competition. Yeah. So you, they're going to chew regardless. So make sure that they know that these things are more valuable to chew. Yep. That they... You will sit with them, you will pet them, you will love them, you will hold it for them, you will boil it in chicken stock for them so that it has more <laughs> flavor, you will spread peanut butter on it to get in all the grooves of it so that it makes yes. more sense for them to chew it. Yep. You will do all these things and then pay them and say, great job, thank you. And if they head toward that thing that they're going to go try to chew, you just call them away, you prevent access to it, and you give them something else. Yep. Thousands of times. That's just how it works. And one more thing before we move on, because uh, we are talking a lot about, okay, give your dog all these things and they have to chew and all that, but then sometimes it feels overwhelming. So there are things as far as like food intake. So as far as giving your dog chews that are not as high in calories, you can give frozen carrots mm. or frozen um, broccoli stems. My dog loves that. Um, <laughs> zucchini. Like you can do all kinds of interesting like vegetable stuff as well that will be really satisfying because the object is cold so that's going to feel good on their gums and they chew my dogs like the rind of things but they don't mm. eat them they just chew them up so like a watermelon rind yeah like they're not eating it they just like to chew it and kind of be like blah, 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 and they just spit it out <laughs> and like but think about how fun that is for a dog to be able to just like chew something that tastes good continually right until it's in a million pieces. Yeah. And then they just walk away from it. And it's kind of what they do with carrots too. But there's a lot of things you can give them that, and sometimes you're going to have to bounce around and find the thing that your dog likes to chew. Sometimes nylon bones are either too hard or too knobby or just don't make sense. And they need something that's softer, but then soft gets destroyed and then they eat it. So you kind of have to bounce around and find some things and borrow some things from friends and try some things out and yep. go with companies that will allow you to return it if it doesn't work, you know? Yeah. Next problem solving, crying in the crate. The typical traditional response, which has changed now, this, it is not modern to um, leave a dog crying in the crate and just letting them deal with that. Yep. Or to only let them out when they're not crying. 
sort of continue to stay away until they finally stop crying and then to go in and get them. That is not sound advice anymore. It does not reinforce their crying when you go back in because if they are crying because of distress, that is an emotion. Now, if they're just barking and and waiting for your response, that might be something that you could reinforce because they're just seeing what will happen if they bark. But if you have a puppy actively crying in the crate, that is going to be a different situation. Right. And you want to fix the issue by assessing, okay, this is happening because they just got taken away from their entire litter and they're in a new place and they're in a box. They're literally locked in a box. Yeah. Okay. They're terrified right now. Yeah. So that means that if you know that your puppy cries in a crate, you need to set up a different scenario for them. Maybe have an open crate that has a comfy area that they have more room to move around in so that they can choose their own sleeping area. Maybe you sleep with them on the floor. My uncle slept on the floor with his puppy for the first month that they had the dog because he also wanted to get good house training and he also wanted to get good leash training in. So literally he did everything with this dog from day one. And that dog is probably the best well-behaved dog that I know. Like just temperament wise, solid, great dog because they started early and they did all the foundational things from the beginning. So you might need to sleep on the floor with your dog. Right. You might need to have the dog's crate next to you and dangle your hand in so that they feel comfortable and they can lick your fingers. You might need to sleep not in your bed. Yeah. And go sleep on the couch next to the pen area so that your dog feels safer. Right. Because that's why they're crying. So assess why they're crying. Simple. They're scared. Right. Have empathy for that. Prevent them from feeling trapped. And then teach them. And you don't really need to teach a phase that will end you just need to not make them be afraid so it's something you would want to manage and then it should go away if it continues then you're looking into more panic anxiety we want to put some things in place and we might need to get rid of the crate for a little bit until we can recondition it right confession i got pete and uh i took off work for i think five days and because i didn't want to leave him at all like he was brand new and i wanted him to have a connection with me so uh totally slept in the bed with him <laughs> we i slept in a separate bed people are so worried to like admit I know. that to me like it's on my intake form and they always get so nervous that they're gonna get in trouble for yeah. saying that their dog sleeps in bed with them right they're always like in bed and on the dog bed it's, it's fine floor. yeah <laughs> it's like because that thing is so it's uh, such a thing that's tied to dominance and like right. being the alpha whatever but it was so awesome to be able to connect with my puppy like and that. And know when he moves and has to pee. And has to go outside. It was perfect. And so I, and he never made an accident in the bed. Like I, I knew when he got up, he was moving around. Like, okay, let's go out and potty. And it was a couple times a night. And then that decreased. And then he was able to hold it the entire night. And that's when we transitioned him. And that was a pretty quick process. Transitioned him to uh, a space. And I mean, then we that slowly. That sounds awesome to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Everybody gets what they need. Right. And I feel like that's win-win. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, oh my God, I got to snuggle a freaking cute-ass puppy for... Right. <laughs> like, come on. Like, it's just one of those things we need to get over. Um, right. It's okay to sleep with your dog in the bed. Right. It's totally fine. Uh, my dogs both sleep not only in our bed, but under the covers. And it's like a thing where yeah. they'll stand at the top and stare at you like, uh, lift up <laughs> the do. covers for me. What and are I you do. doing? And then they curl their body in and they each have their own little spaces that they go. One's between my husband's legs. The other one sleeps like next to me, like leaned up against me, like little heaters. And I actually prefer them being under the covers because then I can still move the covers around if I need to in the right. middle of the night. Yeah. So it's actually more helpful that they're under rather than on top of. But you can certainly not let your dog in the bed. That's totally fine. It's, yeah. It's just what your rules are in your house. It's yeah. fine. Overstimulation. Super, super, super typical problem with puppies. Almost always human created. Yes. <laughs> I mean, puppies yeah. oh, are yeah. normally going to get overstimulated when they're overtired, but that's because you need to be putting them down for naps. Right. That's because you need a good routine that is successful. That means you need to stop scolding them and amping them up with stress because they're getting in trouble all the time. That means you need to stop letting them play for five hours with all the dogs at the dog park and getting rolled over and tumbled on, stepped on. And (laughs) that means you need to stop letting your kids run up and down the street with them on a flexi leash and having them be yanked by their necks. There's all these things that create overstimulation. Yeah. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Okay. So assess why the overstimulation is happening. Look at the big picture, not just the little stuff along the way. And then you want to prevent it. Stop it. (laughs) 
Stop it. How much more can I say? Do it. Stop doing the things that overstimulate your puppy. Right. Stop playing in the ways that overstimulate your puppy. And if it's simple things, like it's like, oh, well, you know, it's when my two-year-old starts crying, the puppy gets crazy. I understand that those things are going to be a lot harder to control and manage. But you can easily just ask your puppy to move away to those safe spaces, give them something to do quick, and then go attend to whatever you need to. Right. And overstimulation is tied sometimes to exercise as well, like in giving mm-hmm. improper exercise. So take a look right. again at that exercise sheet and see if you are doing the right thing for your puppy at this age. Right. Remember, mental work is going to wear your puppy down three times faster than just straight physical work. And yeah. it's going to be better for them long term because they're getting used to using their brain and how to control their body. When they're just doing blind physical exercise, they're not doing any of those things. Right. They're just blindly moving. We don't need dogs to blindly move. That's actually a recipe for disaster down the line. Yep. Uh, Pulling on leash. I'll let you do this one. Cool. Yeah. So pulling on leash. So assessing that. Uh, dogs don't know how to be on leash. Like what? <laughs> like right. they don't. They don't come knowing how to be trained why, on leash. Why are you so, attaching this thing to my neck? Imagine right. if somebody right now just snapped a thing on your neck and put you on a leash, <laughs> and just started walking. Right. What are you doing? Like, oh, wh- okay. <laughs> what? No, I want to go this way. Wait. Oh god. Yeah. It's so pulling is not. Uh, sorry, walking on a leash is not natural for your dog. So, if your dog is pulling, then we need to prevent it by either not walking at all. So. Only walking maybe in the backyard on leash or in your house and then mm-hmm. practicing teaching good behaviors. Right. So following you, walking at your side, checking in with you, and then slowly progressing to those more difficult environments where... Right, because a lot of times pulling is also happening from overstimulation. Yeah. Because you're walking in an area that they're not yet comfortable in. Right. So you're having a socialization issue because of your environment that you're putting the puppy in. So Foundations. You, you've got this whole <laughs> issue that, yeah. and you think it's about this pulling and then people start trying to correct pulling. Right. It's not about the pulling. No. It's about all the other things that are wrong for the puppy. Jumping. Oh, man. Again, puppies do what is natural and jumping, they want to get close to your face to smell you because your face is so fun it's got all these things that air comes out of your ears right. your mouth your nose <laughs> like they want to smell all of that and that's and where you smile and you talk and you <laughs> and you're like yeah. so exciting all the time and you're making high-pitched noises and then you're five and a half feet in the air right your feet and your kneecaps are super boring they really are yeah so you want your face to be boring and your kneecaps to be fun yeah so in order to teach your dog <laughs> right. that you need to work on it yeah you need to teach them that hey the floor is super awesome when you choose to stay on the floor my face gets really close to you right i will come down to your level to say hello when you keep all four feet on the ground right but you have to prevent that first so that means if you don't want your dog jumping stop reinforcing it yeah stop saying that your puppy's the cutest thing in the whole world oh my god i love you and then two months later being like oh no kick in the face <laughs> what <laughs> i it's so hard for me yeah, to like have empathy for people when they're like well we let him do it as a puppy but then like when he got too big for it then we tried to like tell him that he couldn't do it anymore but then he kept doing it and i'm like do you know how unfair that is to right. your dog? Oh my like, God. thinking from your dog's perspective, like, right. one day you just decided. Like, imagine my kid running up to me being so excited. And, yeah, sometimes he knocks me over with his love. But it's love. <laughs> right. It's love. <laughs> He's not punching me in the face maliciously. He's running up to me with love. I just need to put a little bit of boundaries on the love. Right. We don't need to be like, kick you in the face. Don't do that anymore. Stand over there. Right. To say hello. Like... <laughs> We don't need to go that intensively in the other direction. We just need to say, hey, I'm so glad you want to see me. Let's practice it this way. Right. Hey, that's what I want. Great. Now we're both happy. Yeah. Like, we just need to make sure that we recognize that jumping happens because it's A, normal. It's fun. It's reinforcing. It gets them closer to our face. And guess what? Strangers all across the world will reinforce your dog for it. Yep. And so it doesn't matter how much you tell them no off, pull them away, scold them, shock them, whatever. They're still going to do it if they're reinforced for it by all the people in their world. Right. So that means that you need to make sure that you're preventing them from petting, touching, loving, calling your dog up. Or guess what? Just don't care. Yeah. There's some people who just don't care that the dog jumps. <laughs> that's and that's me. okay. Yeah. It's not like this thing that you have to have. Right. Like, oh, no dog must jump ever. Like, people think that that's a rule. Yeah. Do you know how many houses I walk There in are no life? dog training rules, by the way. No. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. You can let your dog jump on you. Jump into your arms. I don't care. Yeah. 
As long as you're both happy. And that your guests are aware. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let them know ahead of time, maybe. Last one. Rough play. Because mm. this is another big one that we get. Yeah, and it's usually rough play with the resident dog, where yeah. the resident dog doesn't want to be a part of the rough play, but they're right. being forced to be a part of the rough play. Right. So assessing that, your puppy's a puppy. So if they haven't gotten proper role model play from a dog that is actually playing with them, but also relaxing and like knowing how to do that, how to right. navigate how to, that appropriately. Right, because dogs will should not just be go, 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 go. They right. should like play a little bit, take a break. Play a little bit, take a break. And it should be real smooth. It shouldn't yeah. be like one dog always telling the other dog to back off. It right. should just be like chase, 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 and then they will just stop and watch and look around. And they're like, and all sniff. right. And they sniff and they shake off a little bit. And then they wander away. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, friend. Let's play again. Come on. And they do it again. Yeah. And it should be like really full, like a, a nice easy flow. Right. It shouldn't be like they're sl- covered in saliva when yeah. they're done. That's not good. Right. And I feel like rough play is always tied to, and I used to, I mean, we used to do puppy socialization classes all the time with this, but it typically is tied to those types of classes where it's just a free-for-all puppies playing with one another and it's constant. It's no breaks. Right. It's improper socialization. It's overstimulation. It's lack of boundaries. It's not a good role model. There's no training foundation happening. They're not calling the dog away and saying, hey, it's time to take a break because they can't get their dog away, because they can't even catch their dog, because their dog is off leash, because they didn't have boundaries in the first place. Like, see how everything, the dominoes just all fall when you don't set it up properly, which is why when we walk into a house with a puppy, and also why Emily and I don't do puppies. (laughs) And why we would just choose to do an aggressive dog 100% of the time over a puppy. It's because all of these things have to be understood by the humans before you can address the puppy. Yeah. So it's a lot of work for the humans and it's overwhelming to try to teach somebody who's already overwhelmed. Right. Because they're not thinking well and the puppy's overwhelmed. So they're not thinking well. And so you've got this really hard situation in front of you because they didn't do the research or they were given bad advice or they just had a puppy land in their lap and they're not prepared for it. Yeah. Or they had, unfortunately, two puppies land in their lap and now they're doubly overwhelmed. Right. So you're constantly catching up. To right. The, to the information. And by the time you catch up, they're on to something else. Yep. And you feel like you're behind again. Right. And that is hard. And I'm sorry if you're in that situation. That's why we're here. And we hope that this is helpful. And at least doesn't overwhelm you more. I hope not. That's that's what our hope is. <laughs> um, so with the rough play, assess why it's happening. It's usually from overstimulation, not having enough training foundation, and being with the wrong dog to play with. Not yep. every dog should be playing with your dog. Many times I tell people, create, you know, go to your friend's house in their backyard, but both dogs stay on leash and you practice mat work for the first five, 10 minutes. And then maybe you walk around a little bit, do a little bit of leash stuff. And then when they've settled in, then you can drop their leashes and see what they choose to do. But you don't just let them go at it gung ho and hope it goes well and say, ah, they'll figure it out. No, they won't. And they're learning all the wrong things. You don't let toddlers learn how to play that way. You control it and you help them and you narrate and you do, this is how we do this and this is how we share and this is how we take turns. You don't just say, eh, they'll figure it out and they're punching kids in the face to figure it out. Right. (laughs) Oh God. So yeah, make sure that when you are looking at how to teach for some of these puppy issues, that it's a fine line between teaching and just letting some of these phases go Yeah, because it's a puppy thing. And so you just need to manage until it ends. And some of that comes with experience. And so having a dog trainer that you're able to just text, send videos to, because like Emily and I, like we are not on call by any means, but certainly if there's something, you know, a, a client that we're working with and they say, hey, what do you think of this video? We'll get to it when we get to it. But you're gonna get our feedback on that video. Right. To let you know whether it's something you should allow, something you shouldn't allow. And rather than your neighbor's advice. Oh my God, yeah. Please ask a trainer. <laughs> um, trainers love videos. Or maybe that's oh. just, I, I mean, I freaking love videos in emails. Like, please send me all the Because descriptions are fine, but a video is going to be more powerful, and I'm going to be able to give better advice if I have a right, video. Right, because what you think you're seeing might not be at all what I would see right. with my own eyes. So I've had a lot of clients send me videos, especially during play, and I will literally yes. go through them second by second and be like, do you see this? Do you oh, see this? Favorite. And they're like, oh my God, I, what? I just saw a dog <laughs> running. And I'm right. Like, right. I'm like, I saw 7,000 signs he was not comfortable. Right. 
and he didn't want to be involved in this play session. He was being forced to with that other dog. So it's amazing what you can look for when you know what you're looking for. Right. For sure. So puppies. Puppies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So again, thanks for sticking around. (laughs) This is a long one. Um, If you are listening to the podcast and you like it, please give us five star review. Um, That would be awesome. It goes a long way. The more reviews we have, the more people that we can reach. And if you have any issue in particular or something that you would like us to talk about, you can message us on our Instagram or email us. All that info is in the show notes. The show notes are going to be loaded this time. They are. (laughs) You should probably just print it all out. Yeah. Yeah. Literally just print it out and put it in a folder for like whenever you're going to get a puppy or save it in like a Google Doc. Yep. So you can just keep going back to it. Right. I mean, I personally have a document that I've compiled that I pull from for all people that like have puppies and it's all categorized. And then when I feel like they know enough, then I send them the document. So it's not overwhelming. So the amount of things that could be sent are incredible. Yeah. We will try to keep it. But know that there's a lot more where that came from. Awesome. All right. Um, Great. Well, until next time, this has been K9 Aptitude. And we'll see you later. Bye.